This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 49 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have two persons from absolutely different parts of the world. We have from Brazil to Australia, yet horses are completely relevant in both of their lives. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 15th and the 30th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hello. How are you? I'm really good. I'm getting excited to see you pretty soon. I know by the time people uh, maybe hear this, you'll be on the road and coming our way, and I oh, can't wait to meet you out on the West Coast and yeah. and uh, see see you in your pajamas with my pajamas. <laughs> I got horsey pajamas, too. We're going to have know. a pajama you- party. Have a pajama party. Pajamas and s'mores. Really yeah. Okay. Okay. You bring the s'mores. I'll bring the pajamas. There we go. I but, um, but I want to hear, I haven't caught up with you for a while about uh, some of the lessons on the uni and what you're, what you're working with, with Beaker and Scooter. Tell me a little bit what's going on. Well, I was on uh, Monty Roberts University the other day. And I, as our listeners know, I've been playing around a lot with Pablo, who's the next door neighbor's horse. Right. Lives yeah. in the same farm. It's all one big farm here. And yeah. uh, doing a lot of things with him. But I got to thinking about um, Jamie's video that she posted where she taught her Mustang Thor mm-hmm. to move over t- to the mounting block and to stand quietly uh-huh. to be mounted. Right. Thought, That's such a cool skill set. Let me try it and see if I can do it. Well, it was an epic oh. fail. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to Monty Roberts University and I said, I need some help with this. So I watched the, the first video on the instructions. And discovered what I was doing wrong for poor Beaker because Beaker's really good at standing still to get mounted. Okay, that's good. That's That's great. It's awesome because I'm a person of a certain age and it takes me a little while to get on a horse. Yeah, give me a break here. Yeah. Stand still. (laughs) Stand still. Yeah, And he's shaped a little bit like an apple, so the saddle isn't as odd (sighs) as stable as it could be. Right. It's kind of roly-poly. So um, this is a great skill set to have, but I got to thinking about that. And I thought, well, we're going to do this. And I watched the video. And because I'm a visual learner, I do best okay. watching something and then trying to replicate it. Mm-hmm. I was able to discern what I was doing wrong that that um, oh, kept Beaker from even attempting it because he wasn't even going to try it. So it's now I haven't had a chance to yet, and I can have to go out and try it in person. But I thought, okay. you know, the having your horse be comfortable and obedient at stepping his body towards your own on mm-hmm. cue when asked to could be a really, really useful skill mm-hmm. beyond mounting blocks um, because not everybody uses one. Not everybody wants one. Um, but I thought, you know, if your horse, if you're working with your horse, you have him on a lead rope and you need him to step to the side towards you. What a handy thing. Like you're walking up to the ramp of a horse trailer and you've gotten him a little bit off center. You can just right. ask him to step toward, step towards you or you are, at a crowded horse show grounds and somebody else's horse comes over and is getting a little bit too close to your horse. That's right. That's a good point too. Yeah. Yep. That's you. right. So yep. uh, those were a couple of the ways I thought would be really, really useful. So I've gotten the first and first video down pat now I had to watch it a couple of times to, to get it all okay. in. And now I started on the second video. So I'm going to get the first two under my belt and then I'm going to go out and give it a try with beaker and see if we can't take the first couple of steps. 
I've got a sneaking suspicion he's not going to learn it quite as quickly as the horse in the video. Uh, well, and actually that horse did actually learn it. It's not really like quick. time, time, time lapse photography or anything. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. But, but you know, a lot of them do. I mean, even the horses that have never stood still to mount, it's like you watch the light bulb go off, like, Oh, that's what you wanted. You just want me to come over to that little box thing, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so the first thing you did probably was the standing still. You got that down. That's like one of those six imperatives and, yes. you know, a nice, a nice quiet horse loves to stand still, right? <laughs> yep. Good. I don't have to do anything. So that's good because more people get hurt at the mounting block, you know. That's like the number one accident. Yes. Thing. It's kind of like airplanes. Yeah. The crashes happen on takeoff and landing. Yeah, that's well, it. Very horses, <laughs> lots can go wrong when you mount and dismount. That's correct. It's true. Exactly right. Because, you know, a lot of people try to mount on silly things too. Either they're from the ground and, you know, it's not, we're not as bouncy as we used to be and we don't get in the saddle as fast. But also because a lot of people try to mount on a fence or mount on something stationary. That means if the horse doesn't stay with you, you're doing the old, you know, split a or something. And, yes. and a lot of people, a lot of people tell us about getting hurt in, the, in those problems. Problems. So really, you want, instead of you coming to the horse, you want that horse to come to you. So right. hang in there and keep watching those because what you're you're seeing is that that horse um, is is disengaging that hind end because usually right. it's, you get that hind end to come mm-hmm. around and then you're good. And a lot of people forget that the head needs to go away from you in order to get that hind end. Because a lot of us, you know, we know about kicking, right? Bring the head to you and right. you won't get kicked. It's pretty hard to. Um, except for the really clever Mustang, you, it's pretty hard to get kicked. But so it's that idea of really doing your groundwork ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you've really got the horse listening, we like to use those long lines. And we have a 17 foot long line that is perfect for this because I it's have one of those. Do you? I okay, have, a, I have the pretty blue one that I got from you guys. Oh, yeah. So good. I, yeah. So we I have that. that. So it's, I've got plenty of, of length yes. to use that plenty with. Length and then to play with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just to make things more complicated, I'm going to. Try to take that skill set and use it for Scooter, Glenn's driving pony. Okay. Because he is just naughty about getting hitched. He's he, We've gotten to the point now that getting harnessed, we've got good behavior now. Okay. But actually getting connected to the cart, uh, uh, yeah. he's really, really fidgety. But he doesn't have the standstill skill set. So what mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do with him is go back and watch the videos on teaching the standstill skill set. First, get your dually. That's right. Get your dually. So, so this, you know what? 90% of the horses out there that are performing at a high level don't have the six imperatives. And if you don't have the six imperatives, so the imperatives are standing still at the top, standing (laughs) still at the top, start there because you can do that when they're young, you know, before you even have a saddle on them, you can teach that. Then you got turning left, turning right, going forward, going back. Now, it sounds really simple, right? But, you know, there's a lot of horses. People don't ask them to back up. People, you know, let them kind of move around when there should be just moving forward and being with you on that lead. And, uh, you know, obviously turning left and turning right, you got to have that in your your tool bag. (laughs) So 
But standing still is really kind of the top of the list. I hate to say it. So uh, because a lot of people don't ask their horse to stand still. So that, you know, when you got that imperative down and then when you got what we call the dually dance down, that's where you move forward, your feet move forward and they move forward with you wherever your bubble space is that you train for, you know, make sure that their nose is right there. And then when you move back and I don't mean turn around and move backwards, I mean literally move backwards, their nose should move backward, their feet should move backward too. So that's like that next thing where you get in the dually dance going and I say dually because you know they they feel that pressure that little twist around there and they know exactly where you want them because as soon as your hand just closes on that line then that that means forward or backward that halter is telling them where they're the most comfortable so they're training themselves they right, literally right. it's the easiest tool I mean when when Monty or anybody is working with a dually makes it look so easy guess what it's actually the halter that's making it look <laughs> well so I Monty makes it look easy it is not always easy because it's it's timing your, your own I, body language plays into it as well and that's uh, another skill that Scooter did not have when we got him is he did not have the ability to take a step back, not one step, not one single hoof could step back. (laughs) And the dually dually halter really made a big difference there because he didn't have, um, whenever he felt any pressure on a halter, he would lean into it. So when we put the dually halter on him, it was unfamiliar. So -hmm. as soon as he felt pressure, he didn't say, oh, got to lean on that because it was something unique. And we've carried that through now. When he wears his dually halter, he's not dragging and pulling because he knows, oh, I release from that. That's what that's for. And that's yeah. made a big uh, a big difference. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, because it's that little bit of a twist. It's not just a, you know, there's no pain, obviously, because if you, you know, if you infuse pain in this, you're done. They don't trust you. They don't want to be any part they don't of this. They want to be anyone near you. Yeah. yeah. Not fun. Yeah. So keeping this fun is a big part of it. And I think this is going to be really fun for you. I mean, you saw that Jamie had fun doing the mounting block uh, mm-hmm. with her Mustang Thor. And, uh, it, you know, so a lot of that is is the work that we just we just described. So yeah. go. Really excited about it. And, and come back. And Good. teaching Beaker to disengage his hindquarters from different sides of his body because he's oh. a little bit older and he's kind of stiff and creaky. So he is not prone to volunteering those behaviors before say, you know, you really do have to move your hindquarters. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. He's kind of Eeyore-ish. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm excited about giving them a reason to do it and be successful and go, yay, good, good job. So Good. When you get that done, you send me a little, uh, you know, iPhone file or something, a little video. <laughs> I need to get I'll a GoPro for it. my helmet so people can watch this. Oh, that would be fun too. Yeah, actually it would be really fun. I want to, I want to see how, you know, I, incrementally how it works and it is incremental, you know, when the penny drops and, you know, yeah. and they, they understand what you're asking, they'll have so much fun with it because then when you're on the trail, you know, a slope becomes your mounting block, a log becomes your, a rock becomes your mounting block, but now you're asking them to come to you as opposed to, uh, you know, them saying, "Ah, I think you can reach me from that fence, can't you? Oh, I'll take one more step over. You know, (laughs) they play that game. It's like a game. Yeah, exactly. Keep away. Yeah, keep away. Once they know that, oh, this is the game, it's coming to you, you know, anything you, you kind of elevate on and stand there and clock Pretty soon they'll know what their routine is, but you've got to go through those little incremental steps yep. where they they learn to you know that disengaging and, and turning the head away, you know, getting over to you is is the trick, and yep. and forward and backwards. 
Sure. And a lot of horses side pass real easily, but that's when you're in the saddle. So this is a, you know, you're teaching a, a different um, skill set for them too. And, and the other thing that's really fun when they, when they get excited about that and see that that's what you want is that you literally can just start clucking. You don't need to get the reins in all those positions that we talk about, about getting that disengagement. You literally can cluck. But here's the trick. Love on them so much when they take those steps in the right direction, just, you know, up yeah. and down neck and across the bottom and just let them know. That, that was something I found very revealing about the first video on um, bringing your horse to the mounting block is, and again, this this is a little bit different than what I might have learned 25 years ago in um, horsemanship school, so to uh-huh. speak. You don't get on. You teach the horse the move, but and you say, and you reward them, give them the pat, and you remove the uh, suggestion to bend and move. But you're not getting on every time. It's not getting on and off and on and off and on and off to start. You, right. you create that behavior first. And I thought, oh, wow, I never would have thought to do it that many times before I went ahead and put my foot in the stirrups. But it makes perfect sense because yeah. otherwise the horse thinks, oh, you mean I do that and then you get on and we have to go work hard? And I go work. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. You separate Jenny. those a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it really is a reward. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, good. there we go. That's that's my next uh, my next little uh, little project. Beaker is going to learn to come to me and stand at the at the mounting block, and Scooter is going to learn to stand still. So, if I can figure out a way to film myself with my camera without just getting a lot of shots of my kneecap, uh-huh. I, I will post those. <laughs> well, maybe have Glenn get out there with you a little that's bit. It. But yeah, I look forward to that. I really do. I'll, I'll watch the progress on that. I'll be yeah. proud of you. There we go. <laughs> so that's what's <laughs> up in my little world. What All have we right. got coming up on the show? Well, we've got some really great people that, um, you know, this poor Rachel got up at, uh, I think, four in the morning or something <laughs> to do this interview. But um, we, we were able to get Monty and Eduardo Moraida from Brazil and Rachel Kerrigan from Australia all in the same interview, uh, all in the same episode. And um, we're really excited to share amazing things that they're doing with their lives and horses. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate, He's a sugar bear. (laughs) You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an Index Fund Advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Eduardo Moraida studied civil engineering in Rio de Janeiro, but embarked in business after getting a scholarship to study economics at the University of California, San Diego. He went into banking and then became a founding partner of Brazil's Plural Bank. Having always loved horses, Eduardo bought a horse off the internet and promptly got tossed off, badly hurt. And in the hospital, he read Monty Roberts' autobiography, The Man Who Listens to Horses. And he decided to go to California with a friend in 2009 to study with Monty Roberts for a week 
as an auditor. Let's listen to in on what happened after that. Welcome, Monty Roberts. And I understand we have a special guest with you today, all the way from Brazil, my dear friend, Eduardo Maraida. Can you both say hello to me? Hello. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Monty. Uh, my favorite guys in the world. I'm so happy to have you here on Horsemanship Radio, and I'm so glad to introduce Eduardo um, to our family, Dad. We've we've introduced a lot of friends on this show, uh, but we've we have not yet introduced Eduardo. And I'd like you two to do a little catch up for us, so that the audience gets to know who Eduardo is too, and how important both of you are to each other. Well, I want to first tell your audience that. Um if we've uh, neglected to have Eduardo on to this point, let's get with it because this is this is an incredible human being here that um, read about me in in my first book and then decided to come out of the hospital where he got hurt from a horse and uh, come to one of my courses. And he sat there for five days, and I could just feel that he was soaking up everything I said, and he used it. Like it's a complete change in his life, a different way of thinking to take uh, violence out of the training of horses. But he took it on to human beings and in his life, his whole his whole demeanor changed. And he went like a madman back down to Brazil (laughs) and he started doing uh, horses that, you know, he didn't touch a horse while he was here on that first course. That's right. And then we got videos back of him starting horses and putting the first rider on uh, it seemed like one week later and I was going, Whoa, hang on here. <laughs> and, and since then I have learned that I had on my hands the most incredible student that any instructor could ever have because he took on every nuance of what I said and he made use of it. He applied it. Uh, he got himself fit from being very badly injured Mm-hmm. He got himself fit to the extent that he used uh, myself and then another Nuno Cobra, another man from Brazil there, as his models for changing his life and getting him in physical condition. And so often I've said, you know, if if we want to get our horses right, we have to first get ourselves right. Mm-hmm. And Eduardo has taken that to a new level. Eduardo Moraida is one of the favorite people of my entire career, and we haven't spent near enough time together, but it seems like if we spend one hour, it's like spending a year with the average student. Nice. He is a genius. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. uh, I think uh, I, I entered in the, the wrong call. Is it me, Monty? Yeah. Is Eduardo? <laughs> you talked all those things? <laughs> That's you. You're That's so you. Uh, you. Thanks you so know, much, you man. It, yeah. it was... It was, I mean, the, with, with no doubt, the best trip of my entire life. And uh, I arrived in California being one Eduardo, and I left California being a complete uh, different Eduardo. And I'm still finding out uh, who this different Eduardo is, because that was the beginning of a change that uh, keeps happening in my life every single day. And uh, it all made a lot of sense for me when I saw Monty doing uh, the first join up on that course. And uh, I think I had like a, uh, a real advantage uh, comparing to all the other students. And my advantage was that I knew nothing about horses. You know, uh-huh. I was a blank page. Uh, I had no, uh, no, uh, I had 
uh, know things that I knew before that I could use to try to uh, contest uh, Monty Roberts' uh, methods and say, oh, my methods are better. Oh, I'll, I'll use this and I won't use that. I knew nothing. So everything I had was what I was learning from Monty those days. So I think I could I could have like a very pure uh, way of learning everything uh, that was uh, taught in terms of the concepts of Monty. And when I was uh, watching Monty doing uh, the join-up, uh, that was much more than just a relationship of a man and a horse. That was a metaphor for many things that I see in life. You know, I was uh, passing through a divorce in my life and uh, I was also like changing jobs in Brazil. And when I was seeing Monty doing that communication with the horse and establishing that relationship of uh, confidence, of trust, uh, of partnership, that uh, made so much sense in terms of what I needed in uh, in my career, in uh, my relationship with my uh, ex-wife, with my kids. And uh, I came back to Brazil uh, trying to, to dive deep into those concepts, but on this broader way, you know. Uh, I thought that uh, I was like into the most phenomenal a discovery uh, anyone has ever had uh, on the face of Earth in terms of uh, human and animal behavior, because that's what is uh, that's what happens inside the round pen. That's animal behavior, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I took it to to all other uh, parts of my life where I could test those concepts. So I I tried to join up concepts not only with horses in Brazil. And trust me, when they when they saw that I was like a, a Brazilian that used to surf like one year ago, and now was dealing with horses, and I was visiting their ranch uh, with a new method, they wanted to prove that I was so wrong by doing that that they would just bring me the craziest uh, and meanest horses that they have in the in their entire ranch. You know, so I really, really uh, faced some very dangerous situations, but I was so confident on the method that uh, I cannot remember one of those situations where I thought that I wouldn't be able to do it. I was always so sure about the method because we're dealing with uh, like uh, the natural communication of two animals, us and the horses. And when there is a communication, there is a proven communication and there are two parts involved that want to be better off after the communication, there's no way it can go wrong, you know? Mm. And I had this confidence before entering the round pen, and it always worked. So I tried to use it with other animals, and I tried with some crazy animals, like uh, like uh, alligators in, in, the, in the swamps of Brazil, and it worked. And I tried with uh, chickens and it worked and I tried with flies and it worked <laughs> so I started to try uh, like the, the concepts uh, but when with the education of my kids and I uh, I did the same thing in the corporation that I worked and it all worked so well that I decided that I, I just couldn't keep that only with me and that was when I decided to write my book yeah. about the experience I had with Monty Roberts and with his methods. And that's the book that became the number one best-selling book in Brazil in 2012. 
Yeah, Encantadores de Vidas, yes. And and that was written about your experience with both Monty and with Nuno Cobra. Uh, but maybe a little synopsis will help people understand how you took those to your life. Yes. Uh, I met Monty, uh, as Debbie was saying, uh, after an accident that I had uh, riding a horse in Brazil. It was a horse that I knew nothing about. Uh, I bought my horse on Google. I just Googled the Brazil horse, <laughs> and then like there was a, a nice mare. She was a very beautiful mare that appeared on the screen, and it was saying that it was a really calm uh, mare and ideal for children and for people that didn't know how to ride. So that was the horse I bought, and it bucked so much the first time uh, I rode her uh, that uh, it was impossible to keep myself over it and uh, I fell really bad over some rocks in my ranch and I wasn't able to move like any part of my body for a few weeks uh, and I had about like six months of physical therapy and that was when I received as a gift uh, the man who listened to horses from Monty and uh, I decided that I had to meet this man that wrote all those things about uh, communication with horses. And when I came back to Brazil, all that uh, uh, I was able to promote all the changes that I was uh, talking about uh, a few moments ago, about showing people how the relationship uh, uh, between two people or two animals or a people and uh, a person and an animal, how that relationship is much more efficient when you remove completely violence out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided that if I brought Monty to Brazil, uh, the repercussion of that would be like 10 times uh, higher. You know, I I thought that people uh, should not like uh, uh, meet these concepts and, and uh, see these comp- concepts through me. You know, I was just a, a disciple and a very fresh uh, freshman uh, in terms of being a disciple. So I decided that I uh, I had to bring the master. And I was like uh, going for a meeting with a person to bring Monty to Brazil, the person who is responsible for the largest equestrian center in Brazil. And uh, I suffered a very bad accident here, uh, getting a taxi in the street. Uh, Trust me, it it was a really bad accident. I broke seven bones of my left leg and I had 80% chance of losing my left foot uh, Mm -hmm. after that accident. And the person who helped me to recover from this accident was Nuno Cobra, uh, maybe the most famous athlete uh, uh, trainer in Brazil and responsible for training Ayrton Senna, who is the best uh, car uh, driver, car racer of all time for many people, you know. And uh, when Nuno Cobra came to help me recover from this accident and he started to teach me all his methods and concepts, I said, hey, wait a minute, I think I heard about most of this before. (laughs) But that was with a guy that deals with horses, not with athletes, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I said, how lucky I am to have suffered these two accidents and to have met these two guys and also to have uh, perceived that the, the methods of both of them are so similar. And I said, I have to write these in a book. Uh, Monty always says that luck is not what happens to us. Luck is what we do with what happens to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that like it was very lucky that I decided to do something uh, special with these two accidents. So I wrote a book uh, telling about the story I had with these uh, two masters. 
and explaining their methods and showing people how their methods could be used not only for athletes or horses, but also for their careers and their relationship with their families, etc. And the book was a, a huge success in Brazil. By the way, we're about like uh, almost four years after the book was released, and this is something you guys don't know. My book got back to the top 10 list of Brazil last week. Oh, so the top it's, Oh, my it's goodness. Yeah. It is. It was and number eight. Number eight. Congratulations. That's amazing. Four years well, later. After four years. It stayed for number one for a long time, but mm-hmm. I mean... Four years after being released, the book got back to the top uh, 10. It's something really, really rare in Brazil. Mm, well, yeah. Debbie, can I say something here? That please. Please uh, make sure you save all of these words because he just wrote another book. We need to transcribe <laughs> this, this conversation. It's, it's a good story. <laughs> and, then, and then we have another best-selling book here because uh, so many... No, people, but Monty, every, we're talking about the same book. Yeah, I know. Well, Encantadores de Vidas got back to the top ten list after three years, almost four years. But I know, read, but, yeah, but now yeah. I want these words printed <laughs> because then I want to sell that book in America and, <laughs> and see if I can get it on the best-selling list here. Uh, great. You know, it's so, it's so great to hear you say this. And there's a, a few things I, I'm going to ask, Eduardo, now. Like, one is, how many books have you written now? Mm. Uh, uh, actually, I, re- I have written six books. Mm-hmm. I have published four of them, and I'm going to publish the fifth now. Excellent. So Excellent. when I told uh, your audience, Debbie, that this was a special human being, I mean, he comes on one course, he spends yeah. five days here, and that was the start of all of this. Then when he went back down there, he was so green with horses that at that point in time, he only knew that he had all the information necessary to keep himself safe from these dangerous horses. Mm-hmm. And he made the, the decision that these things couldn't go wrong because now he was able to communicate in the horse's language mm-hmm. and he, he felt very safe. Now that he's more experienced, he's looking back to see, oh my word, I was in some very dangerous places there, <laughs> but uh, I'm okay and I got hurt trying to catch a cab in the town, and I got hurt when I got on a horse and I didn't know what I was doing. But now that I know what I'm doing, I used much more dangerous horses than the street was and the, and, and the first horse was, but I'm okay now. So somewhere in there with all of his books and, and with what I've been able to, to give him as a launch pad, um, Every human being that walks on the face of this earth should have this information. Mm-hmm. You talk about best-selling books. I we think should so, be, too. I, uh, when is Encan- and I, I, I would love to know when Encantadores de Vidas is going to be in the U.S. in English. When will that happen? Yeah. That's it. Should, should yeah, happen. We, we, we have to do it. Yeah, we have to do it. Yeah. Uh, and we have to do it as soon as we can. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think everybody will be dying to hear this story now that, that you've put to word. And, and what are the other, the ensuing books about that you've written? I've, uh, I've written uh, one book is a fiction book. Uh, it's about, uh, it's a philosophic book that uh, talks about the meaning of life. Uh, another book, it's a book that, this is, this is funny, you're going to love this, that I used to join up concepts 
to teach economic concepts to people because, you know, I work on the financial markets mm -hmm. and this book also became a bestseller. Uh, and uh, the name is uh, Financial Whisper, <laughs> just to make of like a, something <laughs> like Horse Whisper, something like that. And uh, the other the other book that I published is called uh, The uh, Mountain Whisper. That is uh, it's also a fiction about uh, a person that uh, learned from observing uh, phenomena in the nature. So he goes for a mountain and he starts looking what happens around him in terms of the way uh, the nature behaves and animals behave with nature, animals behave with animals. And he gets that uh, lessons to apply to his life, you know. So they all talk about like similar things, you know. At the end, Debbie and Monty, I think that uh, it's it's all only one thing, right? And when we we find uh, something that brings us back to the essence of life and brings us back to the to the harmony that we we have when we're just like a child or a baby and pretty similar to how like an animal behaves i think we we can talk about any subject in in life that it will will make sense you know mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that, Eduardo. You know, we, we couldn't get away with um, not talking about how you two last met in June um, with a certain lady named Her Majesty the Queen. And I would love for you to just share what that experience was like. No, that that was amazing because the book was, uh, my book was uh, read by like uh, hundreds of thousands of people in Brazil. And that made me receive a lot of letters and messages of people that read the book and got back to university at 60 years old that lost like 100 pounds because they went back to exercising. People that uh, decided to change their careers and work with animals to protect them. But one of the messages was really special. The message came from a, a commander of uh, a police academy in Brazil, and he was saying that after reading Monty Roberts' book, uh, the man who listened to horses, uh, he decided to read my book, uh, which is Encantadores de Vidas, or Life Whispers, like an unofficial translation to English. Mm -hmm. And he was impressed with the philosophy described uh, of Join Up. And what he was thinking was, uh, if a horse is trained with violence, uh, becomes like a, a violent horse, uh, maybe that, that happens also with human beings. And on the police academy, we treat uh, the cadets with so much violence. Maybe that's the reason that like the policemen are so violent in, in our country. So he decided uh, to invite me to the, to the police academy, and he asked me to give a speech to all the cadets uh, in the academy. Uh, there were about like 500 cadets there, and he wanted me to tell people about the join-up uh, concepts and about Monty Roberts' philosophy. So uh, I talked uh, to them about this philosophy. I talked to them about like the, the benefits of uh, removing completely violence uh, on the relationships uh, with individuals. And it was uh, so amazing to see that the commandant was really, really uh, willing to apply uh, that philosophy uh, in the, the academy. And it was uh, so uh, so 
impressing the effects that that could cause because we're talking about the academy that uh, grad, uh, makes the the graduation of the 100,000 police people of the state of Sao Paulo. Amazing. We're talking yeah. about 40 million people that are protected by these police people. So uh, just the city of Sao Paulo, we're talking about like uh, city and suburbs of Sao Paulo, we're talking about 20 million people. The second most populated city in the world just uh-huh. after city of Mexico so I was saying maybe that's I think that's the further the joint up concepts ever went because I mean to to make a difference in the lives of 40 million people it's something that uh, will make Monty like uh, really really happy you know so I called Monty and I told Monty that Monty uh, should come here immediately as soon as he could to to see with his own eyes what was happening in a police academy because of his philosophy. So uh, Monty came to Brazil, and I think Monty can tell a little bit about his experience here. But uh, Monty said, we were talking, and Monty decided that Her Majesty had to know about it. So And that's uh, the reason why we went there. And just as uh, a piece of information, from all the police people, that uh, the police officers that were uh, that have graduated uh, under the philosophy of uh, join up. Uh, none of them has been involved with homicides in Brazil, ah, and so. that's that's zero. We're not talking about the few of them, and the number of homicides in Brazil uh, that are attributed uh, for police uh, men are in the thousands uh, numbers. You know, and we're talking about zero. So it's, it's pretty amazing what happened here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The, the statistics are just awesome. Uh, it's um, Comandante Jose Mauricio Perez, and he was uh, speaking with the Queen, and I heard for the first time that the first 500 cadets that went on to the streets went through three years with no gun-related incidences, and that followed immediately after 4,000 per year were were shot by uh, by the police. Mm-hmm. It's a military police, and uh, for so many decades they they were operating on the basis of first you have to protect yourself by shooting, and then you ask the questions later. Mm-hmm. And now Colonel Maurizio Paris has turned that around and taken the violence out of it. And so they don't get violence back so much. And uh, yes, we live in a, a very dangerous world, and there's so many terrible things going on. But uh, if we can do our little bit to take that violence down, maybe it's going to help change the world. We hope it does. But it was unbelievable to stand there and watch the Queen give him a certificate that says for his remarkable work to reduce the violence in the police force of uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, was so gratifying, you just, uh, there's not words to describe it. And the Queen was so happy on that day, and she's told me since then several times that she was very happy to do this because she is a world leader, and uh, she hopes that she can influence the reduction of violence too. That's amazing. Well, the both of you have done a great work, and 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 by that I mean it in two ways. I mean that you not only are doing really good stuff, but you're also doing it in great measure. Uh, you're impacting people on multiple con- continents this time, and uh, it's no longer 
um, something just in the round pin with you two. You have actually expanded it to a, a global impact, and I really appreciate you sharing your stories with us. We've got to have you back, Eduardo. Let's hear some more news about what's happening in Brazil post the Perez um, uh, Award and all the good news that's coming out of Brazil Um we, we, we want to have you back and talk about judo. That's something we haven't even touched on that you're involved in now heavily, too. Yeah. And uh, your marriage to Juliana to finish off that circle of life with your family. And beautiful, beautiful stories coming out of both your lives. And talking about circle of life, there's only one concept of join up that I was never able to understand. And every every ne- every next year, it's, it gets more difficult for me to understand which is the concept that Monty uses that he had reversed the the cycle of life because every new year Monty uh, seems younger. So uh-huh. I don't know what what he learned with this join up that I met Monty with 75 years old and after five years he's 70, you know, yeah. so yeah. I don't know <laughs> what he's doing for that. <laughs> you know, Eduardo, uh, that my theme for 2015 is 80 at 80, you know that, and I, and in all of my shows, I do 80 consecutive push-ups uh, for my 80 years. And uh, this morning, I did my most 122 consecutive push-ups. So, oh, come uh, on. Really? Yeah, 122. <laughs> I'm telling you. I don't, so, I don't know what to drink on that soup, Monty, but I'll, I'll, I'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's working, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah you know what it is? You know what it is, Eduardo? Uh, I think... It's it's life. It's it's life uh, making better life and uh, exactly. getting it right. Getting it right with people brings you back so much joy that you can't get old because uh, if you get old, then you get tired and then you stop doing things. And when you stop doing things, you stop getting excited and you have to use yeah. it or lose it. Uh, <laughs> I am I'm having more fun than I ever had in my entire life. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad uh, I'm able to participate in this fun with you because life has been much more fun after I met you, man. <laughs> oh, well, it's been more fun for me, too, after meeting you. And I want to come down there in December and, and meet with Carlos and all those people down there and get everything straightened out. And then I want I want to go in January to uh, Portaleza and uh, meet the people there. It's going to be fantastic. Let's do it, man. Let's I'm, uh, do it. I'm there. I'm there with you for whatever you you do here and for whatever you need me. All right. Okay, That's man. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much Thanks for both lot. of you joining Thanks us. Thanks so much. Radio. I enjoyed Bye. so much talking to you. I enjoyed it too. Thank you very much, Eduardo. <laughs> bye bye. Ciao ciao, Daddy. Obrigada. Ciao ciao. We all hear about omega-3 and how important it is for your horse's nutrition, but why? Well, simply put, horses were created to get all of their nutrition from live natural grasses. Omega-3 is an essential fat found in many types of live grasses, and it's critical to the horse's health. If they were living on live grasses 24-7, they would be receiving enough omega-3. But in today's world, most horses are fed commercial feed and forage as their primary nutrition, and most of these are lacking in omega-3. That's where Omega Fields comes in. All of Omega Fields' flax-based products provide a balanced essential profile of Omega-369 and may be helpful in alleviating problems related to skin, coat, hoof, joint, and sand colic. One of Omega Fields' terrific products is Omega Horse Shine. 
Omega Horseshine is an omega-3 stabilized ground flaxseed supplement for horses to help maintain a shiny, healthy coat, strong, solid hooves, and top performance for horses in all life stages. Omega Fields provides the best human-grade, non-GMO ground flax that can help horses with dry, scaly, itchy skin, joint pain and inflammation, poor hoof growth, allergies, and more. Don't just listen to Debbie and I. Alexandra, a customer of Omega Field, says any horse I ever own, I will feed them Omega Horse Shine and I will recommend it to anyone. You can get your Omega Horse Shine today at OmegaFields.com or just for our listeners, get 15% off using the coupon code MONTY2015. All one word, it's MONTY2015 for 15% off your next order at OmegaFields.com. That's OmegaFields.com. Rachel Kerrigan spent seven years serving in the Royal Australian Air Force and saw active service as a part of the International Coalition Against Terrorism under Operation Slipper. She was trained as an electrical engineer and after leaving the military was a successful project manager and contract administrator with heavy industry and defense. But when symptoms of post-traumatic stress changed her, she dropped out of life and became a recluse relying on her young daughter to become the head of the household. In 2013, she took a chance on horses and Monty Roberts' encouragement. Here is her story. Well, welcome. I'm privileged to have two special people on Horsemanship Radio today. I've got Monty Roberts back. Hi, Dad. Hello. (laughs) There he is. He's all warmed up. And Rachel Kerrigan. uh, Say hi, Rachel. Hello. Uh, you can tell Rachel is all the way down under. She has an Australian accent, and she is actually getting up at 6 in the morning for this interview, and it's freezing. So if her teeth chatter a bit, never mind. It's because she's cold and, <laughs> and not nervous at all. We're just going to have a, a fun little conversation about horses, which we all love, and a chance meeting down in Australia on a recent tour that dad was on and I would love to have you two just have a conversation and and just remind us all the good things that came out of your chance meeting and just forget that we're even here okay I'm ready (laughs) go for it (laughs) you know Rachel it's so great to speak with you and um, it's just as as it often is it's just so little and so precious the time that I have with people that mean so much to me. I spoke with Eduardo Moraida from uh, Brazil this morning, and um, he's just such a special student of mine and has been for five years, but we just don't get enough time together, and that's been the same between you and myself as well. Um, You are a very, very special student for me. And the reason I tell you that, Rachel, is that, you know, when the Discovery Channel first came to me and asked me if I would do a clinic for them that they could put on video and do a TV show about uh, the veterans coming back and using horses to help them, and I agreed, and I uh, asked them at that time for 10 military returnees, um, and 30 days to make a difference. And the reason that I said I wanted 10 and the 30 days is that I did not want to fail. 
I wanted to do as much good as I could. And when they carved me down in the last days to three returnees for three days, I was furious, Rachel. I thought, what can I do in three days? It's just not possible to make changes like I want to make in three days' time. But I went through with it because we'd already planned it, and I didn't want to disappoint everybody, so I went through with it. And in three days, we changed the lives of three returning military people from the United States of America. Like, you know, like I don't think anybody's been changed before. One guy went from no horse experience at all to being a professional horse trainer now. And another one was a poor lady that was incarcerated for uh, assault and battery in her city. And um, and now she has a responsible job with the government of the United States and has her life back and smiles again. And then I met you, Rachel, down in the Sydney area there. And um, for crying out loud, we had, what, 20, 30 minutes together uh, at the first demonstration and then it was so profound that I wanted you to come across to Perth and get another day or so over there, of which we had maybe two more hours together. And it's amazing. It's amazing what you've done. And can you tell the listeners in Debbie's program here, what what the heck was it that um, the horses and I did to change your life because we only had a precious few hours with you um, since I've met you. And yet when I meet you now, and I did last autumn uh, for the second trip that I've met you on, you were a different person and your daughter was a different person. You were so much more with life again and and happy again. Tell us, what in the world is it? Ah, that's a big question. Um, uh, I don't really remember much from um, Sydney. Um, the main thing I remember is the breath of that horse on my neck um, with that first join-up. That was just an absolutely amazing experience that um, I will never, ever forget. Uh, it just seemed to break down so much. Um, um, I just remember crying and you hugging me and it just in that moment it was like, you know what, I've got the choice. Um, I can exist how I'm existing or I can, you know, do what this animal's done and decide to trust some people and try to live my life again. And um, that was a very profound moment for me. Uh, And then going to Perth and spending some time with you and hearing um, some things that I probably needed to hear um, that people, I think, sometimes tiptoe around or don't know how to treat people um, that are suffering PTSD. And, uh, yeah, you you said a few things to me that um, were some home truths, um, the most profound probably being that I need me uh, more than anyone else needs me. I need to need me again. Um, and I did a lot of thinking after that and... I've got my horses um, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to try some of this stuff with my horses and just in that period of time, my horses have been amazing teachers. Um, They're just 
taught me that, you know, I've worked with some horses that have had some real trust and anxiety issues and I've just seen the changes in them and have realised that, you know, if these horses can do it, then I can do it as well and that's what I've been trying to do. So that's got me to where I am now and your continued support. So it's been amazing. Well, the thing is... um you know, if you talk to the psychiatrists of the various organizations, and I work in Australia, United States, and in uh, England too, and you talk to the people that really know the psychiatry involved in dealing with post-traumatic stress, and um, they just cannot believe that in the number of minutes or hours that I spend that we make the changes that we make. I think they believe that we're faking it, that we we really don't make the changes or we spend a lot more time than we're admitting we spend. But you and I know the truth. And you are such an example of a fast-track change that um, you you really stand out in the world, Rachel. I don't know that any sufferer from post-traumatic stress has ever changed with the rapid rapidity that you you've accomplished it's just unbelievable and i know that you're you know yourself and you know the truth but what do you think the difference was between that and what the various veterans administrations do for their people uh one of the biggest things for me was probably when you said to me that this doesn't have to control your life it does get better that's something that you don't hear. Um, that was a real uh, eye-opener for me. Uh, everyone says you've got post-traumatic stress. It's going to be this is as good as life gets. You're going to need to be medicated. You're going to need this. You're going to need that. Um, you know, there's other alternative therapies out there. But everyone says, and I think that puts it in your head, that this is as good as it gets. Um, you turned around and said to me, no, you don't have to live like this. You can still be a person. And that was... That was a very, very big thing for me. I'll, you saw me as a person and not just a label. And I think that's one of the biggest things. When you talk to people, when you've got post-traumatic stress, they put this label automatically on you and that's how they see you and that's how they define you and that's how they talk to you. Whereas um, you saw me as a person, you saw me as someone that has promise, that can keep moving forward and that can get through this and can fight it and... That was just an unbelievable moment and then coupled with how the horses react and that whole join-up process, it's just it's just the most amazing feeling and it's a feeling that I wanted to keep going and um, it really gave me the courage and it really gave me the motivation to keep moving forward, to have someone have that little bit of belief in you um, and then coupled with that again, the horses and the fact that flight fight animals to me, that's what PTSD is like as well. You are constantly in that flight and fight mode. So if a horse that's a flight animal can trust someone that's so broken and can see themselves as not worthy of anything and to have this animal that you've never met before come up and trust you and then have this person who I admire so much say to me that, you know, you can have a life, that just made such a difference to me. It's been unbelievable. Well, Rachel, the thing is that it might be difficult for you to understand this, but can you grasp the inspiration that you've been to me? Because I couldn't 
possibly believe when I started all of this that it would be this profound. And now I know I can't quit. Um, I know that too many people need me to quit. And I can't back up from the psychiatrists that talk to me and, and say, oh, I guess you're right, that it's not possible to do this, because it is possible to do this. And I'm seeing it not just with you, Rachel, but quite a few people. And it's just that you spent less time with me than most of them and made the most profound difference in your life that I have ever seen with any uh, of my victims, uh, people that have gone through war and come out of it with stress-related uh, injuries to their brain. You, Rachel, and this lady called Alicia Watkins, which you may have read about or you may have seen on video or something, but you and Alicia Watkins have made the most dramatic changes. And I had Alicia Watkins for three three-day clinics and then a lot of time on the phone. And I'm not minimizing her efforts because she's just done a fantastic job and she's graduating now from Harvard School of Psychology and she wants to help other veterans coming back with post-traumatic stress. That's a wonderful story. It's just that I didn't have three, three day clinics with you. I had a matter of hours with you and I still saw it happen. So somewhere, Rachel, I think nature has set us up, all of us, to understand that horses can't lie and that they're not faking it at all, that this is a real uh, change that comes over people because they can believe the horses. And we, we had an experience recently with a lady coming from Washington, D.C. that was not a military person and that didn't even know she had issues in her life. And she asked to do a join-up and she did the join-up and this poor lady broke down and was sobbing and then she began to remember challenges in her early life that were really pretty negative for her. And um, she is part of the system for helping post-traumatic stress people. And she has been, I'm going back to D.C. to meet with her uh, in a couple of weeks' time because she's helping us now to fund, through the organization that she represents, fund some more clinics here at my farm in California. And I, I now know, Rachel, that because of this inspiration from you and from Alicia, and Alejandra Sanchez and others, I can't quit. I, I have to keep going. There are too many people that need me. And Rachel, they don't need, in my opinion, they don't need the pills. They don't need the substances to alter their behavior. They need themselves. They need to want to do it. And that's exactly right. I mean... When I met you early 2013, I was on up to 30 tablets a day for controlling my mood, my anger, my depression, um, sleep, even what you know, eating things like that. Um, and then after speaking to you, I made the decision in September 2013 to come straight off all my meds and um, 
not thinking that I'd come off all of them, but come down and determine exactly what I needed because I was at the point where people were saying to me, oh, you're getting that side effect now. Okay, we need to give you this tablet. Oh, you're suffering that now. And it wasn't, people weren't taking away the tablets to see where I was anymore. They were just piling them on to deal with another problem. Um, and I, my, in my head after talking to you and um, I thought, no, I can come down. I'll see what medication I actually do require, if any, and go from there. So I came down and using my horses, I have not had to take another tablet since then. Oh, wow. Well, Rachel, you know, I don't want to say that anybody's bad in these organizations. I think everybody wants the good things for their clients, um, for the people that have fought our wars for us. I think they're all trying to do their best. And I do respect the fact that most of them have spent six years in university learning their art. Um, so I, I, I don't want to be negative toward them. It's just that you and I know something that they don't know. Mm. And I think it's our responsibility to bring it to the world. We, we can't hide it. Uh, it's too profound and positive uh, to steal from the people that need us the most. And I would love to continue to work with you and and to have you be a part of the inspiration necessary to help people on a global basis. That that would be amazing. That's 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 my dream. Um I'm in the process of gathering funds at the moment to get a facility up and running to um which is to rehabilitate horses with anxiety issues um i've been doing a little bit of that on my own at the moment and they've just been amazing teachers but my idea is to make it a sustainable farm and have um veterans come and work there that are homeless um and have nothing and to give them some choices and options and things in life and teach them some life skills and um yeah i'd I'd love to be able to move forward and show people that there's another way oh great well, Rachel, I just couldn't be happier with this quick phone call and this meeting with you once again to hear the uh, you know to hear the positive sounds of your voice and mm-hmm. and your daughter. How's she doing? Really well. It's um, good to be a kid again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been amazing for her to be a kid instead of the young parent. I know, but you know. Somehow, Rachel, I I think she'll be a stronger person for it all, and we'll make lemonade from lemons. Um, I know that I went through some terrible things as a child, and I look back on them now as a source of strength against the kind of thing that I found was negative in my life. And um, perhaps your, your experience will be the same. I would hope so, anyway. It's definitely made her um, a better person. Um, so yeah, it, there's a lot of good that's come out of the bad, and um, that's also what you've helped me realise. So, what does she story. want to do with her education? Uh, she wants to go around and travel around and do horsemanship clinics and um, show people the right way to look after horses. Basically, is what she wants to do with her life. She wants to make sure that less and less horses get mistreated. Oh. So. <laughs> So we're reaching we're reaching the next generation pretty rapidly here. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> She's learned oh, a lot from great. from yourself as well. So. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, Debbie, do you have anything else for us? 
That's fantastic. I assume that you're talking about Borneo and some of your plans for the future when you talk about the the uh, sustainable farm. Yes. Is that right? Oh, yes. That's fantastic. Yes. Well, we, I would love some more information. Is there anything we can do to help and let our audience know, too, if there's anything we can do that um, if, if you've got a, a Kickstarter or anything like that, please, Rachel, let us help. That would be amazing. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And, and well, thank you things, both. One of the mm, things that we could do is transcribe these words too, because they're just so profound. I I want could to help a lot to of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would like to disseminate them as as um, broadly as we can around this globe of ours, and uh, maybe we'll reach a few people that are thinking about bombing somebody or something like Mm -hmm. that and uh, maybe we can make a difference i know that the world leaders could learn from horses too that's absolutely just wanted to do it it's true well thank you both for your contributions both and i know rachel you were flung into this not meaning to be a world changer but you've become one tag you're it (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i appreciate you both being here today uh, we hope to have you again yeah. Thank you for your time, and, and okay. thank this Debbie and, and um, people of her radio station for giving us the opportunity to spread the word. Thank yes, you both. Thank you. Up next, we have our trainer's tip from Shorty Graham, who's a wonderful trainer who likes us to take our time when we work with our horses. Welcome back, Shorty Graham. Thanks again. All the way from the Arizona Equestrian Connection in Camp Verde, Arizona. How are you today, Shorty? Fantastic. Ah, it's good to hear your voice. I understand you have a trainer's tip for us, or maybe two, uh, for well, yeah. the listeners of Horsemanship Radio. Please let us know. Well, I think I think one of the important things that, as humans, we need to recognize is that horses, animals, have no concept of time. It means mm. nothing to them. And I think with humans, we tend to go out um, a lot of times, particularly people that are on time constraints of like needing to get to a show, needing to get to a roping, um, and they really don't have the horse on a solid foundation to begin with about loading in the trailer or doing these events, or they haven't been that pleasant. And so they go out and then they turn into a grizzly bear trying to get the trailer to the horse to trailer load or once they get to the show their 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 whole inside is totally stressed mm-hmm. and they're they're psychologically at a high peak which the horse feeds on. Yeah. And so for me one of the things I've learned is if you have something you want to work with your horse or you want the horse to accomplish mm-hmm. Do it when you have all the time in the world or just go out and spend some time with your horse if you don't have a lot of time and groom it or, or do something you know the horse already knows to do. But recognize that when you go out there, you could be there all day if that's what it takes, but do it in a quiet and a calm manner and help the horse. Let the horse look for the answer. Ask the question and give him time enough or her time enough to find the answer and give mm-hmm him or her, the aids that will help him find that answer. And once he gets that answer, giving that reward of releasing the pressure and saying, you know, good. And then if it's been a long haul, I quit. We, mm-hmm. we don't need to go back and do it again. We'll do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things is just hammering on him to do it over and over and over again. If you can just get that little bitty try, 
Mm-hmm. Take that and call that Dixie and then wait for the next day. And you know what? It'll come quicker and it'll be sweeter and nicer. And you, you'll be amazed at how quick things come together once that little tiny window opens. Ah. Oh. That's beautiful. That is a great, and we say they have latent learning. It seems like if you can end on that pressure off high note, the next day they come out further ahead for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so many people don't get the pressure. They start at 10. Well, where are you going to go when they (laughs) give you something? So, you know, and then they also, if they, if they go to eight and the horse gives them something, then they go right back to eight. Yeah. And, and you know, you have to keep starting, at as, as Monty says, incremental learning. Mm, so, you know, you've got to start at that low point, give them the opportunity. If that doesn't work, a little more pressure, a little more pressure. But if you're already up there at 10, you don't have any place to go. Very good. Those are great trainer's tips, Shorty Graham. I didn't doubt you for a minute. Those are awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too on our forum. And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. In England, he'll be there October 10, October 17, October 23, October 29, and on Halloween, October 31. And then in California, back in California, we have... Uh, a Horse Sense for Leaders, a professional development workshop at Flagazette Farms, building trust-based relationships. And that's on November 6th. Then following those days, we have November 7th and 8th, a Wild at Heart weekend with sculptress and equestrian Pat Roberts and her friends. Awesome. You can see more yeah. at MontyRoberts.com. Or if you want to go old school, you can call 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, go to horsemanshipradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about today's guests. And as always, we do love to hear your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Monty Roberts. Or on Twitter, you can go to twitter.com slash Monty underscore Roberts. And don't forget, you can listen to all of your favorite Horse Radio Network shows with the free Horse Radio Network app. Just go to your app store and search horse radio network download it today it's quick it's free and it's easy and many thanks to our sponsors omega fields and ifa.com and monty roberts university be sure to visit all the other great shows too on the horse radio network at www.horseradionetwork.com and until next time have many happy horse hours <laughs>